Welcome to a Rocky Start Podcast. I'm Brian Argot. On a Rocky Start Podcast, I talk sports with the guests so we can learn about their journey to sports. And today I am talking with Jessica Kleinschmidt. She is the host of the Corked Up Podcast. She hosts that with Rachel Luba, and she is the new host of the All A Show on NBC Sports in San Francisco. What's awesome about that is she grew up an Oakland Athletics fan in Reno, California, and now she gets to cover the Oakland A's. It's really exciting. And what I love even more about her story is she started off as a freelancer and has worked her way up to the top, all with hard work. And even when COVID, you know, might have stopped her, she still went out and hustled and she got herself a new podcast and she's now the host of a new show for her. So I'm excited for you guys all to learn that here today. Here's your episode with Jessica Kleinschmidt. Do you go by Jess or by Jessica? My I like being called Jessica so they know like a woman wrote it, but I when you're casually talking to me, I'm I'm referred to as Jess. They even call me Jess like on set and on TV and stuff. So just talking to me and I like Jess. Okay, okay. I will call you uh Jess during the show. Wonderful. Uh, so Jess, how did you uh, first get off in sports? I'm actually a former baseball player. I, um, yeah, so I was sitting in the stands. My little brother was playing one day and they needed a right fielder. Unbeknownst to me, I didn't know the right field position when you were eight or nine was like the shitty kid plays in the <laughs> field. So I was like, yeah, I got you. I got you. And um, the beauty of my parents was were they, they didn't force me to do anything. But my dad was like, hey, we don't want your brother to forfeit. You just have to stand out there. You can pick dandelions, do whatever you want to do. I was like, dope. Like, I'll just hang out and I get a freaking hot dog and a Gatorade after this. Like, let's go. <laughs> so I, I was warming up and he's like, just warm up. We just want to make sure that, like, you know how to throw a ball, basically. Right. And I was like, cool. So I threw the ball and I remember throwing it. Brian, like a monster was born. And I looked at my dad and I was, and he was coaching and I was like, oh my gosh. And like three other people were like, oh my gosh, it was kind of like this rookie of the year moment. And I was addicted because when you're, (laughs) when you're good at something, you want to be better at it. So you continue. So I only played like a couple games that season. And then the moment after that first game, I went home, I was like, how do I continue playing? So I signed up as soon as I possibly could the next season and I just kept playing and I, so I played baseball up until I was a sophomore in high school and they weren't going to allow me to make that baseball team. So they made me play softball, which was tough because, you know, it's not like this is no disrespect, but, you know, football and basketball across both genderized sports, they're the same. Softball and baseball are not the same. So I had to learn how to hit again after playing with not only the same guys for 10 years, but learn how to hit a ball all of a sudden. So I was had to be introduced to just brand new people, like the boys you grew up playing with for five or six years, all of a sudden you have to leave them and hang out with girls who in high school are fucking awful, man. So I had to switch to that. And that's where it started. Obviously, um, I wanted to be the first female MLB player. That didn't happen. So I love talking and you'll figure that out very quickly. And um, I love writing. So I was like, you know what? When I was 12 years old, I wanted to cover the A's. And I remember telling my dad that. And I decided to make a career out of it. And that's um, the short version of it. But that's how my baseball fandom was born. I went to my first A's game when I was 12, fell in love with it and loved playing. And here we are. Wow, that that's amazing. And so here you go, you sit here. How many years later is it that now that you're actually covering the A's? Um, okay, so 20. 
I was tw- I was 12 when I saw my first A's game. Might have been younger, but now I'm 32, so that was 20 years ago. I mean, my first A's game that I covered was a few years back, so um, it was it was about 15, 18, 19 years, and now here I am. Got it. So I want to go back a little, a little bit more. So a little bit after high school, you said you you went on to college. Uh, you at that point you dr- had dropped out. So how did that whole process begin? So I was working for the federal government, which sounds way cooler than it actually is, (laughs) um, in public lands. It was very parks and rec, like very parks and rec. And um, (laughs) I loved my job, but I also realized it was very cushy for me and it was not taking away from what I was doing, but it was easy. I could do it in my sleep. It was like a zombie and I wasn't fulfilled. So I was about 23 or 24. And I remember walking into work one day and I thought, I need to quit my job today. I'm going to move to the Bay Area and pursue this silly dream of mine. And so I walked into my boss's office and she was like a mom to me. She was fantastic. And she was like, are you sure you want to do this? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, well, how about we pay for your school? The rest of your school will keep you around. And I was like, here's the thing. I fucking hate school. I'm not a good (laughs) student. And I... I was already paying for my own school and I already felt guilty, like wasting all the money when I'm, I hate going to class. Like I'm not learning right. shit. Why am I still here? And so um, my boss was like, okay, well, I, I support you. It's great. Cause like I said, she was like another mom to me. So it was great. Mm-hmm. And then I quit my job. I moved to the Bay area two weeks later. Nobody hired me though. Nobody right. wanted to hire me. And I was like, well, you know what? Okay, fine. So I was doing a bunch of de- like little jobs here and there trying to blog on the side about the A's. And I was doing that for about a year when I got my first paying gig and it was a fantasy football website and they were doing content. And that's kind of that it just kept going and going and I was making a name for myself and everything like that. But it was just me dropping out of college, quitting my cushy government job to pursue this silly dream. And I'm so lucky that I've had places that want to hire me without my college education, which is really cool without that degree. Um, so yeah, it just kept happening and I was proving myself and working hard, um, everything from blogging to social media to before I was doing all the reporting and stuff, I was just creating content and that was writing and aggregating and everything like that. And I just kind of created this name for myself, this hashtag brand, if you will. No, no, I love it. And I think that's where the world is kind of going, you know, it's going in between college and, you know, people who are freelancing and doing all that. What, what kind of advice would you have for someone in that sort of situation right now? They're like, you know, making content, but they're not you know, getting any jobs or, you know, anything like that. That's a great question. Um, it, it depends on what your scenario is. Like I've, I was, I don't have a husband or kids or anything like that. So I can kind of scrounge around. Like, it's not like I have mouths to feed besides myself. So it, it's it's basically about like what you're willing to sacrifice. And it's right. you have to have a full-time job, not just to keep yourself afloat, but this needs to be a full-time job as well. Um, so you, what I would do is I would work my nine to five job and then blog on the side, luckily baseball and everything, like all the sports are in the evenings. And so you can kind of do that on the weekends and stuff, but you really have to be a freak of nature. You really have to just and, and be true to yourself. And it sounds so silly, right? But the day that I became successful in this industry was when I woke up and I stopped trying to be Katie Nolan, Sarah Spain, these people. Cause I was like, well, wait, if Katie and, and Sarah are doing a great job being themselves. Why can't Jess be the first Jess Kleinschmidt? And that's when I, the outspoken Jess kind of was created. And I wanted to ask the questions. I'm a former baseball player. So when I walk up to some of the players and I'm asking them questions, a lot of times it's not just to create content. I'm genuinely curious. 
something right. simple as just yesterday, Mark Canna, um, it, it, the, the sun in the Bay Area, specifically at the Coliseum, is really shitty. Being a former baseball player myself, I'm like, I wonder how like difficult that is coming from there. And he's like, yeah, like it's, it's extra tough at the Coliseum covering the A's. I mean, cool. That opens up so many different stories that I can ask these guys about. And, you know, I'm curious about hitting and stuff like that. So you really have to find your niche, but just ask questions, be curious, you know, and then, um, create as much content that you possibly can doesn't just have to be writing but I feel like writing is is looked over these days everybody wants a fucking podcast everybody wants to be on tv everybody wants to do digital stuff which is great but you literally the moment you talk you can create something with writing writing will never die and not to mention that when we're now that we're all going back to work we're not going to be able to listen to people and watch people as much online. So you want to be able to read stuff behind the scenes when Bob is watching you from during your nine to five and stuff like that. So you want to create different multitudes of that. Yes. So if I go on this podcast and you want to write something off of it. That's already two pieces of content. If you want to talk about that um, on TV, that's a third piece, digital, everything like that. There's so many different things you can do with content. So it's about, not getting comfortable, trying to like push yourself to the next level. And everything is content. As silly as it sounds, everything is content. So you have to remember that. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great piece of advice because literally from, like you mentioned from this podcast, this could be, if it was a video podcast, be turned to YouTube, turn, put into a blog post and taking that, write yeah. an article about it. So there's so many pieces and it's, it's, is it sort of overwhelming now that you kind of think about it? Like all the stuff that can be done. Yeah. When you say it out loud and you like, you can make a <laughs> list of it. yeah, it's overwhelming. But at the same time, content is in sports and, and, and think about sports. That's all we think about. It's just, oh, it's just sports. But at the end of the day, like I'm still a reporter and I, and I think yeah. you have to think about like COVID really opened that up. Like I couldn't just be, talking about Jacob deGrom's spin rate. I had to talk about the fact that there are different important things you need to tell the public about going back to the game or making sure the players, um, there was the players versus, you know, the league at one point. So there is, it's overwhelming from that perspective when it went from being like, oh, Jess is this funny little blogger to you need to be careful because you have to make sure that these, these players are getting the right information or their information is getting over uh, correctly as well. And a lot of times you become these, you know, like these faces for the players because they're not going to be able to, you know, defend themselves on social media as much as they would like. You have right. to do that in a way. So it's very overwhelming, especially being a woman in the industry. Um, I get way different, more like intense comments than a lot of the men would get. Um, so that alone is overwhelming when I just want to do my job. So yeah, if you were to really like list everything out, it's a lot. Right. Yeah. I want to touch a little bit on uh, COVID and how it affected the season last year, but I want to elaborate more on um, like, as far as like women breaking into baseball and in sports in general, have you seen in the last few years a more of an influx, more of like just people being open to it as far as all that's been going on with the teams? And Yeah. I mean, I feel like just me personally, I didn't really even have any female mentors or female best friends in this industry until the last few years. And, you know, not no disrespect to my male colleagues, but it took a long time for me to be like, you guys don't understand what I have to deal with. So, yeah, I think they're opening up like it's like gender is is definitely like the third thing that they're looking at. Like, look at Kim Ang, you know, it took her. She's got 30 years of experience and she finally just got hired. And, you know, I've been rooting for her from the beginning. I've had to write, write so many articles on her saying, oh, she almost got the job. 
and everything like that, you know, and, you know, uh, Rachel Bakovic, uh, Yankees um, coach and Alyssa Nackin and just not even jobs that we can say that, you know, whatever, because I, I hate when people are like, oh, you didn't play baseball, so you shouldn't be able to write about the team. If you look around in the press box, a lot of the guys that I work with, we have the exact same baseball resume. I probably have a better baseball playing resume than a lot of them, but we're not giving them shit. You know, it makes no sense. So we right. literally get to say that we learned it a different way. We can ask the questions because sometimes naivety kind of helps me in those scenarios. Like I will never be able to walk next to Michael Morse and Dallas Braden and be like, our MLB resumes are the same. However, I have no problem asking them the questions, what certain things mean. Yeah, exactly. And plus, you know, you might've watched the game way differently growing up. It, you know, not necessarily even have to play, but just watching it and being a fan and noticing different things than, you know, players might have are just totally mm-hmm. different. The perspectives are always going to be different. So you can't yeah. always just shove someone to the side. If the perspective was the same, there would be one person on MLB network 24 seven. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. you know, you, you notice a lot of uh, other great s- sports writers, like a lot of them never went and played professional ball or, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's basketball, football, baseball, any of those. So it's, yeah. it's just one of those things that they like. And I want to go back to COVID when that first started back last year, what was it like? What was going through your head? You're like, whoa, baseball season because we had spring training. Yeah, that that was there. Then that gets shut down. What was it like for you? It's a great question. Yeah, it, the moment I got back from spring training was when COVID became a thing. I literally got off the plane back here in the Bay, and it just blew up. Um, right. And I, so I was selfishly I was upset because the A's were really going to have a great team, and I wanted to be able to cover them in the postseason, right? Um, I did, but I got to cover it from here. <laughs> so it was kind of interesting, but I, I liked it because I was so good at networking via social media and digital where I wasn't as intimidated as other people might've been. Um, but the only thing that was difficult for me was I do look at my job a lot and I love the socializing of it. Like I get to see my good friends that I grew up watching and now they're my colleagues. And that was tough for me. But it really wasn't as bad. I think COVID itself was kind of scary to net, to deal with because I didn't want to, I didn't understand COVID. Nobody really yeah. did. Um, and then I had to take a step back and realize, Jess, you're talking about this awful thing that's killing people and people are getting upset because baseball hasn't started. So I needed to, to some time to like think about that, like, okay, we're getting upset that we're not playing a game, but people are dying. Like that's that was something that I had to deal with. And, um, but then I felt very, very sense of responsibility to make sure that I was doing the right reporting and um, and getting everything that I possibly could write. And it actually made me a really better reporter because I have no problem asking questions now. Because it was like, once you get get past all of that and you could talk to somebody on a screen, right? It's not as as you it, as as awkward as it is. It's not that bad. So I thought, well, if I can talk to somebody on the, on the screen and have them open up to me, there's no way I can't do this in person. So I had to launch two um, podcasts during quarantine. I became like it was a lot, but uh-huh. I did it, and I'm glad I did. So it was a, it was a lot of emotions for sure. Yeah, I think that's definitely one thing that COVID brought out as far as probably for podcasting is they made Zoom interviews just so much. Um, more relevant for yeah. whether it's players or anybody, right? Just more welcoming, right? 
Yeah. And I, and I, but the only thing that did suck, it made me extra busy because you could just turn on a computer and boom, you have an interview. So instead of just saying like, Hey, I'm too busy because I'm traveling or whatever. Like I was, I was working like 20 hour days and not even realizing it, but I also, it gave me a sense of um, sanity because I was still able to socialize in my way. And I, and I'm a big social butterfly. So it helped me a lot for sure. Uh, Most, most definitely. And then, so what? This is probably like three months into it because baseball, it wasn't probably about till this time last year that they were going to decide to do the 60 game schedule. Yeah. I, think, I think it was like June 24th or something, if I remember. And I was like, when are we going to have baseball? I was like, <laughs> yeah. And it was the number changed every day. The like the start date changed every day. The format changed every day. So even though I could get the right information 20 minutes later, it'd be totally different. Um, I just remember when we left. Arizona, we all every year the Giants and the A's play an exhibition game heading into the season. And so it's like they're welcome back from Arizona to start off the season. And they were saying like the Giants weren't going to host the exhibition game, but only 20 minutes away that the A's were. It was just weird. So it was just like it was it was constant new information. People that I used to like big names were asking me, hey, Jess, what's going on when I I didn't know, you know, you have this name that pops up on your screen, like, Hey, Jess, have you heard anything? You're like, no, Mr. (laughs) Hall of Famer. I haven't. Um, Let me get back to you. Like, it was just like, we were all kind of in this clusterfuck of information. So it was nice to know that like, I had no idea and neither did anybody else. And even the the commissioner's office wasn't sure how to handle that. You have to remember MLB was the first big sport to kind of handle it because of the timing. You know, our basketball was, was over, um, or basketball was able to just delay because of it. Yeah. So MLB, MLB was the first kind of big sport out of the gate to kind of figure out what was going on. I think they did a really beautiful job. I mean, the testing was kind of a mess at the beginning, but people were forgetting we were all dealing with the COVID effects. We didn't know about this, the disease itself. So I think they did a really, really good job. And um, now testing's under control where I'm finally able to go back out on the field and, and talk to the guys, which is like Jessica's favorite thing. So it's, it's <laughs> amazing how one year is a complete change. No. Yeah, exactly. And you remember a great point is the whole testing thing was a mess. You know, people were giving so much backlash to baseball during that time. Right. It's like, you know, they can't get it under control. I'm like, you guys do realize that this is something that they're still trying to come up with a vaccine for. Yeah. You know, it's great to even have the sport going on. Yeah. It's awesome that they have even 60 games. We're like, we'll take it, you know? Right. Like, and even, even between the whole process of when, you know, the whole MLB and the, the uh, players association and the uh, just the, um, the front offices are trying to get the season agreed upon. Were you, were you ever like, just guys get your shit together and let's get this season going? Yes. And no, I loved that from like a cheesy nerd perspective. I was glad that people were getting, that the players were speaking up for themselves. Um, So before I went to like, get your shit together, it was like, you know what? The players deserve to have a say in this because it was difficult People were just like, oh, you're getting paid all this money. Da, da, da. Well, they're not getting paid because they're not playing. And it's not like every single guy's Mike Trout where they have all this endorsement money and stuff like that. So we, 
it needed to show that these players are humans and they're not these robots, which is something I struggle with to tell fans every fucking year. Cause it's like, Tony Kemp is a human being like just chill type of a deal. So that was a big deal for me, but yes, for me, it was, I was telling the league, like, let's get this going. Like, this is silly. Let's do it. So at that point, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I totally agree with you. The players are a hundred percent in the right. I mean, yeah. they need like, they need to be backed by the MLB getting paid what they need to be yeah. paid and all that. Like, I agree. I, and I mean, there's so many rule changes that I hope come about because the CBA is coming up this year. So it's going to be really interesting. fun. You want to talk about getting your shit together. That's yeah. Funny. I mean, do you have any predictions upon that? <laughs> um, yes and no. I mean, I, I don't really know. I, I think if it weren't for the COVID situation, it may not be as bumpy, but I think it showed like the, the players are going to say what they want to say. They want to be paid what they deserve to be paid. And, you know, I'm just at the journalist who's covering 162 games and I'm exhausted. I was done by 60 games last year, like from home. I don't know how they were doing it. So I, I was glad that it kind of painted a light on them, but yeah, I mean, especially with everything going on right now, these new rules that they experimented that, some of the old school guys actually kind of liked that'll be kind of interesting. And then uh, monetary value, of course, and you know, everything else that's going on. So it, it's going to be, I feel like kind of a soap opera, which I'm really, really, as I'm looking forward to it. No, I, and I hope so. And I really hope the players get their way during this. Cause one, one thing I really hope that happens is the, um, when for prospects, when they're eligible for, you know, come out there, I hope it doesn't take six years for someone to get paid service like, manipulation. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's really terrible. It's bad for the sports, bad for the players in general. You know, we're trying to see a, you know, baseball is trying to incorporate a whole bunch of new things, which I really like, mm-hmm. but I think the, I think the service time el- eligibility needs to be changed because, you know, someone shouldn't be waiting to get paid till they're 30. I agree. They're, yeah. It's like one thing that I just, I'm always hammering about they, they should be paid maybe three years into like, it's sort of how the NBA is. Yeah. That those contracts should be a little bit more loaded in the beginning. And then, you know, cause I, I it just sucks. Like someone like Albert Pujols who, you know, was getting on his big second contract, you know, got paid his $300 million. And mm-hmm. I, I love him that he's getting his money. But it sucks that he, you know, because I think he would have tried it a few years ago if he would have been eligible the, a few years before. Oh, yeah. And we wouldn't be, he wouldn't be along for God. I mean, the story with the Dodgers is pretty dope. Let's be it, I do it, love that story, but I get where you're coming from. Yeah. Right. And it's just, it's just one thing. And Miguel Cabrera is another. It's like, yeah. and these are players that I love and they're fantastic. And they're some of the greatest players we'll ever see play the game. Mm-hmm. But it's just one of those things I that uh, I hope they get uh, fixed. But uh, another thing I wanted to talk to you about is like, so A's are going into the post, A's going into the postseason last year. And when, when they're there, what you're, you're, are you covering the game still from home as they're. Nobody, nobody really went to the games. Um, It, um, I think there was maybe like six or seven total people, mind you, NBC was just kind of, and I was still kind of nervous about COVID. I, I, I was still trying to figure things out, which was cool. Even on, opening day this year they're like we'll let you go but you don't have to go if you're uncomfortable totally fine so um but yeah i i covered every single thing from this exact spot (laughs) nice okay yeah i covered the alcs or the alds from here like it was it was interesting but it was cool it was cool yeah 
Wow. And so when, when they're there, did they like, did the players like staying in one spot for the whole time or did they miss the fans? Did they miss the traveling? They, oh, the A's fucking hated playing at Dodger Stadium. Are you kidding me? But like, <laughs> I, I was hitting four home runs throughout that series. So for the Dodger <laughs> scenario, no, they hated it. And Springer all of a sudden wants to hit the shit out of the ball. No, the A's yeah. were not pumped with that. Um, as far, so I, I'm going to collectively say no, but I think it only had to do with the fact that it was day games at Dodger Stadium and the balls were just flying everywhere. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I was just wondering from a, the traveling standpoint, if that, I don't think they cared. I don't think that they cared. I think it was more the front offices worried about it, which is understandable. We still had no idea what was going on. I was nervous for them to travel. I know their families were nervous for traveling and everything like that. So it was just, it kind of reminded me of like, like you're kind of being reborn and learning how to walk again. You've all traveled all these years, but then all of a sudden, dude, after COVID, you had no idea what to do. Um, So I think that was kind of a a worry, but I think it was more for um, like the front office people, but there were some concerns with traveling with people, with some of the players who may be like um, high risk, and stuff like that. But like I said, turned out quite beautifully and they were going to test positive and things were, these things were going to happen and they handled it as best as they could, you know? And um, yeah. So I think the only issue was the fact that hitting at Dodger stadium during the day is just a fucking joke. (laughs) I I don't think I've ever uh, really heard about that. uh, The day games at Dodger stadium. Oh my God. I didn't realize how bad it was until I was like, these are a lot of home runs. And then afterward, you see Chris Bassett, who was the A's most consistent pitcher last year, a sub 2-4 ERA, I think, yeah. was just – just, yeah. and he's not – he never complains. And when Chris Bassett complains about the balls, like something's going on. But then I also don't know if the balls were juiced also. We were still – they were still figuring that out. So imagine all of those things compounded – Poor, poor, poor A's, you know, like, but I mean, the A's were teeing off of the opposing teams too. So I think that was kind of it, but I would imagine it's probably not great um, because especially for the A's who are used to, they barely play at Dodger stadium over the the, the course of the entire, you know, um, franchise. So it's probably something that they're not used to and it's an adjustment, but that was, that was the big thing. They just didn't like right, yeah. the pitch there. Oh, yeah. You guys had some of the biggest news of the offseason last year going into it. Billy Bean leaves the A's. What what was that like? During well, the time? he didn't like exactly leave quite yet, but we all kind of anticipated it would happen um, because he's a big soccer fan um, type of a deal. And so we were like kind of anticipating it, but he was just um, there. Sorry about that. He was just um, there to give Bob his celebratory bottle of wine type of a deal. So um it, it really wasn't that big of a deal because I think that there, there was just kind of a, we're anticipating it. He's going to do this type of a thing, but he's still very much around the A's. Oh, organization. Okay. Cause is he now in the, is he helping the front office now trying to. Yeah. He's still considered the executive vice president of baseball operations. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that yeah. was uh, one thing that I was not aware of. Yeah. Myself. No. And then, and it's one of those things though, too, like, we're kind of anticipating it. Like he loves baseball. He loves it so much, but yeah. he's a bigger soccer fan. So yeah. That, that was one thing I did not know. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Especially imagine him a- with, the, I mean, I, I have no idea how like soccer front offices work, but I couldn't imagine Moneyball being a part of like Cristiano <laughs> Ronaldo type of stuff. So that'd be kind of interesting. Yeah. It's like one thing in baseball, but yeah, watching in soccer is a whole, is a whole nother yeah. uh, route. Well, what are your expectations for the A's this year? 
Um, well, I hope they do well enough and everything's cool where I can go travel with them to the postseason because that'd be great. My number one goal as the A's reporter is to make sure people are watching this team. It's not just from a numbers perspective because that shit is every team you have to look at the numbers. It's such a fun team, such a great group of guys. They just don't get enough attention and it really gets me mad. So that's what I'm trying to do. So every year I'll get like a dozen to 35 people that will say, you know, I'm not an A's fan or I don't really care, but you made me pay attention to the A's this year. And that's what I care about. Sorry. That's what I care about because I grew up an A's fan. They make the front office communications department. The guys have made my job and my life so amazing. So just stuff like that has definitely reminded myself why I do it. Don't get me wrong. Like there's days where I'm like, this feels like a job, but those are very rare. Um, and I know the Coliseum is the, as a dump, but it's hosted so many cool memories for me. So just that's the romantic Jess, but I mean, player wise, I mean, Matt Olson's just on a tear. Elvis Andrews is becoming the shortstop. He was supposed to be after that trade to, uh, for Chris Davis to the Rangers. Jed Lowry is a huge, huge storyline. He's my wild card heading into the season. Mitch Moreland, uh, designated hitter, is doing really, really well. Mark Canna's heading into free agency. And you know that dude's going to get money. Uh, Ramon Laureano is my MVP pick for that season once he's healthy. Uh, Sean Murphy, um, best power, um, probably one of the best catchers that isn't really talked about. Uh, like I mentioned, Chris Bassett. I feel like the team's also going to go and get some more bullpen help uh, during the trade deadline. Just a fantastic team and Chappie hasn't even become Chapman quite yet this season. So they have everything they need. And that's what the beauty of it is, is even without the bullpen stuff, if they want to go get somebody during the trade deadline, they have everything they need to be a phenomenal regular season team. Postseason is always a wild card for that team though. Are they a good postseason team? We're going to have to see. I have no idea. I mean, year in, year out. They're yeah. always there. They are um, always putting up, and it's yeah. un- unbelievable. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and we know that as the A's, they uh, go out and make moves right when it comes. They, they're they always able just to piece in pe- people. It's like I just don't understand how they are able to do this. It's like them, the Rays, you know, the Dodgers now. Mm-hmm. And we're now seeing, I guess, the Giants too. Oh, uh, the Giants. I mean, Farhan Zaidi just like is God. whatever he's doing is fantastic. I love that Jason Vossler um, edition. Mm-hmm. I think he – I said from the beginning, heading into the season, I had him on one of my podcasts too. I was like, watch him because he, he's been my favorite type of player. Like the guy who can just do it all yeah. and scrappy guy. And I, and then, you know, Chadwick Trump is doing well. That starting rotation is really, really strong. Jake McGee coming out of the bullpen, Reno guy. So just <laughs> stuff like that, like, and then the older guys, Crawford, the belt, the Longoria and Posey. What? What year is I- it? I love the I love the resurgence of Posey. Oh yeah, Society and Scott Harris did something quite brilliant over the last couple of seasons. So I mean, shit, they they shocked me. Yeah, no, they shocked shocked all of baseball, and it's yeah. uh, it must be fun to have both teams in the Bay Area. Yeah, it is know, pretty crush, fun. Crush yeah, Bay, the the Bay Bay Bridge series coming up. They also call it the Battle of the Bay, but we're supposed okay. to call it one thing. I want to make sure I get it right. I think it's the. Bay Bridge series. So that's coming up, which I'm stoked for. Right. It's like down here, the Angels, Dodgers, Freeway yeah. series. Yeah. yeah. And then it's like, we would hope to see a World Series one day where both teams or something like yeah. that. 
Yes, that's how that's a dream for mine too. Like to see both the Bay Area teams in another World Series would be fantastic. Yeah. Or maybe this maybe this year could be it's not a far fetched thought. No. It's really not. The yeah. the giant I mean the Giants came down here and they whopped the Dodgers oh, in yeah. Dodgers Dodger Stadium. Well and the Giants were like they have the right the money to go do it during the trade deadline and they have the the right front office to do it uh, with Farhan Zaidi, who's been with the A's and the Dodgers. So he he's more than prepared. I don't know how Gabe could handle it, but I mean, we'll see. Yeah. 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 And with the Giants too, it's like they, they've, I, I really thought they were going to be screwed with their cap flexibility with the Cueto contract and all that. But, you know, they've gone out like, like pitchers like Alex Wood, who've just been really like tremendous have just yeah. been able to all step up to the plate. Agreed. There. No, no, a little pun intended there, but yes. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I also want to go back to talking a little bit about yourself. How did you start your uh, podcast, uh, Corked Up? Was this last year during COVID? Uh, so it was right before COVID. It was right before I went to spring training. So this is before we even really heard about COVID. Um, I started following Rachel Luba, who of course is Trevor Bauer's agent on uh, social media. And she was like, hey, um, Trevor's a big fan of your work. Do you want to come on one of his podcasts? And I was like acting coy. I'm like, if I have time to come on Trevor Bauer's podcast, like, sure. Um, I was like, but I'll be at spring training in Arizona in a week. Let's like reconvene then. So before I get down there, she's like, hey, like, I want to start a podcast. Will you help me host it? Because I'm terrified of my voice. She like was really scared of the media. And I was finally like finding a way to like not be scared of hosting and everything like that. So I get down there, we were supposed to talk for maybe 30 minutes and we talked for three hours, just yeah. kind of like as an audition. So it went great. We took photos and everything like that. It was just, we instantly hit it off. Uh, we did have a delay, of course, of COVID, but it just kind of took off from there. Uh, we have like the cool guests on there and everything like that. But it's, it's trying, we're trying to do like more of a behind the scenes stuff, like me asking questions as a reporter, as a fan, as somebody who's a fan of a, player like Trevor Bauer, like how does the off season work and all this other stuff, but she's learning from me too. She wants to know how the media works and stuff like that from my perspective and, and all of that. And so that's how that was born. It's been over a year now. We're having so much fun with it. So it's great. I, I love that progress, especially for both of you. It's like you, you both are trying to learn two different aspects of it all. Right. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's like a, a really tremendous. And what you have now you're, you're starting your most recent one. Uh, with that NBC Sports, so tell us all about it. Yeah, so it's 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 called All A's, and it's just me sitting down. Um, it's a television show, uh, just with members of the A's. So you know, coaches, players, everything like that. I'm trying to branch out and do more like media personalities and stuff, but we're gonna see how it goes. But it, it's a, one of my dream jobs. I've always wanted yeah. to do it, and it's been super fun and way less um, stressful than I kind <laughs> of anticipated, which is going to show like I'm figuring it out um so I'm really proud of that and uh that gets to go it's on NBC Sports California so my mom and everybody in the Bay Area or in Reno can actually watch it because it gets down there so that's big for me too I I want my nephew to see me on TV just because I don't want him to miss me too much and everything like that so that's been really fun and it's another way to kind of bring more eyes to the A's because obviously I'm big on social media so I try to bring the TV stuff on digital and that's been, it's been great. It's still brand new. We're still trying to have some fun with it, but so far it's been good. Yeah. How did did you guys come up with the name? Did you have any input? It's it's, it's a show that's on every single season. I'm just basically the new host. 
is how. So it's just always. Oh, and that that's awesome that yeah. you're going to be creating. I mean, it's like it's great for someone to see. You know, you've started off freelancer. You went through all these steps, and now you're hosting your own show. When yeah. they when they first brought that to you, what was going through your head? Okay, so they were super casual about it, mind you. Like <laughs> Bok Talk was huge for me too. I I literally booked every single one of my guests except for like four, and that ran for about eight months and I had two guests uh, a week. So it was a lot of guests that I did myself. So my boss was like, Hey, so they're launching all A's and I'm like, cool. Like I'm thinking like I could just write articles off of it with they, if the host talks to Stephen Piscotti or something. And it's like our uh, executive producer was like, why don't we have Jess host it? And it was just like, so casual where I was like, <laughs> okay, I'll do it. And then like, and they were, the meeting was over. I was like, they want me to host a fucking TV show? Like, why is, why am I, wait, wait, what? So it took me a while. So it wasn't even until they um, announced it on TV. So I, they announced it on TV and then they had me talk about it. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, whatever, you know, type of a deal. So I think it's good that I was kind of casual about it because I, whatever. But um, I, I, when I got to actually announce it um, on Twitter recently, when I was getting more of the love and like the, the support from other people, I'm like, okay, this feels a little bit more real um, and stuff, but it was kind of funny how casual it was like, Hey Jess, we just want you to like host this show on, on regional television. And I was like, okay. Wow. <laughs> and it wasn't anything that I wasn't doing, I was already on TV constantly. So, but it, this was just me for 30 minutes straight, as opposed to just three minute hits there, there, or here or there. So. Yeah, get, give us a, a idea. Like, so how's the production in the back? Like, of all that, like, I'm still it- here. I'm I do it from here. Um, obviously, there's nothing much we can do about that. I'm hoping I can eventually like go out and talk to them a little bit more. Um, but the graphics are gorgeous. Um, and I want it to just be like me and the player, me and the guy are just like sitting around having a beer and we're talking about baseball or we're talking about whatever. And the, uh, the other day we had Chris Bassett on, he was talking about some of the best advice he ever got was from Sonny Gray. So oh. I got to like reminisce on the times when I would watch Sonny Gray pitch for the A's and just a solid pitcher, but not even that, like you got advice from Sonny Gray. Now he's one of the most successful pitchers unappreciated in the league yeah. type of a deal. And so that was kind of just stuff like that. But yeah, it's, they make me look pretty on TV, which is <laughs> obviously very important. And like the background's really cool. And I have like the cool graphics and like the, the footage is great and people are loving it. And the, and I was a little, I wasn't getting a lot of feedback on it, but then I realized no feedback is actually good because now people are just like, Oh, there's Jess on TV again. It's like, this is so (laughs) rare in my life type of a deal. So I really just want to be at a bar kind of getting a buzz where I see my face on TV. And that's when I feel like, okay, Jess, you've come a long way. I still haven't had that moment yet, but I'll get there. Well, congratulations, Jess. I mean, Thank that's you. that's really tremendous. Thank and you. Uh, there's uh, one thing I want to ask you before I let you go here. Uh, you know, with the rumors about the you know A's wanting a new stadium, um, I know it's all it's a big mess. And I, of course, I had to bring it up to you. Yeah. Uh, so, like with all that, you know, there's speculations that to say they will move their team to Vegas and all that. What what is that all like looking like? Well, the latest I can tell you is I believe on sometime in July, it's on the agenda for the city of Oakland um, to talk about. Um, how do I say this nicely? It has been a little bit of a mess um, yeah. up until now. 
Um, we're doing the best that we can as reporters to tell the story as much as, as well as we can. But the the scary part is, is if this doesn't get this new stadium doesn't get built after 2024, when the A's lease is up at the Coliseum, the team will have to move. So it's either it either needs to be in Oakland at Jack London Square, or the team is moving. Period. Um, I don't know what that means for my future as far as coverage of the team. It's and the reason why I say that is because I'm getting asked that a lot. Um, right. It's also too soon to tell. It's in three years. There's still some time to figure it out. And I will say that the people have a way of constructing these things quite quickly. But there's a lot that's going to go involved. It's not just plopping this thing. You have to. It's environment stuff. It's um, you know weather. It's it's city stuff. So there's a lot that needs to be done. Um, but that's that's all I can really offer at this moment. No, got it. It gives me a better perspective, yeah. and I hope it gives everybody else a better perspective. Yeah. Just a question that it's like I've just been seeing it around. When I have to. I have to, and I've been doing the best I can. But also, it's like, it, what's the point of giving up a lot of information until until ground is broken? I mean, right. what what can we say at this point, you know? No, yeah. of course. Yeah. Jess, is there anything else you'd like to say that you haven't already said? Um, no, I think I've pretty much covered it. Just follow all of my work um, on Twitter at KleinschmidtJD. Uh, Instagram is Jessica Kleinschmidt. And uh, yeah, follow all A's and Corked Up this season and try to pay attention to the A's as much as possible because I can promise you I will find a way for you to like that team, damn it. I've been watching a lot of Ace. I, I love. Uh, it, it's been fun. I actually, t- I will go on MLB the at bat. I'm like turning into every game as possible at night, just because. Love to hear that. It's it's fun. I love baseball. Baseball Good. is awesome. Good. Yeah. I love baseball too. Yeah. Thanks a lot, just for your time today. Thank you. I hope you all enjoyed that interview with Jessica Klein-Schmidt. She is awesome. I love how passionate she is about baseball, trying to bring awareness to not only the Oakland A's, but just to baseball in general. I love where she started out in career as a freelancer, and now she's the host of her own show. That is what it's all about. Um, I definitely look at her career, and I it inspires me. It makes me very optimistic of where I could be. And I think we all could do that in our own lives, depending on, you know, where we're at in our own careers. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be in sports, but it could be in anything. And just, uh, you know, grab a little bit of that optimism and just enjoy the ride. Excuse the fire truck in the background. I um, love this outro, so I'm going to keep it. I hope you guys all have a great day. Please subscribe to the podcast and share it with your fellow sports fans. Leave me a rating and review. That helps grow the show. I hope you guys all have a great day. Thank you.